So let's turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and reading from verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin uh, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Let's just pray then. Heavenly Father, we come this morning to your word and we just pray, Lord, that you would enable us to hear your voice. We pray that you would take away the voice of man and may we hear the eternal voice of God. We pray that you would forgive us of our sins and as we come this morning to worship you and to hear, we pray that we would be here with clean hands and a pure heart, that you would unite us together in praise and in worship and in adoration to a God who loved us before the foundations of the world, who sent his son Jesus to die on that cross for sinners like me and and like us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless our time this morning as we look into your word, praying that that word would be applicable to each and every one, from the preacher to the hearer. And we ask, Lord, that you would just be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Counting the cost of our faith in Christ. Let me just say at the outset of this message, this morning that it does cost you and I to become a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was looking through my phone the other day and we all have apps on our phone and I've got the ESV Bible app on my phone and it's only really in recent months that we have witnessed on our television screens of the removal of American and British and other troops in Afghanistan. And we have heard reports of the Taliban who are seeking out Christians to torture them. And if any were found with an app on their phone, 
they would be beheaded. Now that is the ultimate cost of a Christian. We live in the West today in a day of great religious confession and profession, all expressing a desire for eternal life. But how much of it really is real, genuine faith? It is common today to see many receive the word of God with joy, and yes, it is joyous when someone comes to faith in Christ, but then maybe after a few years, or maybe even months, they start to fall away, back into the old habits, back into the old ways, their old sins, and we ask the question, why? Why does this happen? Why can they not endure this Christian battle? And the reason I believe they hadn't considered the cost. The cost to be not only a Christian, but a real consistent believer, a holy Christian. Yes, we thank God for putting that desire in our hearts and minds to follow him, but the cost ought to be considered as well. And it's not what it costs to save us all. We all know that it costs nothing than the blood, nothing less than the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, Paul says, We were bought with a price, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It costs nothing to be an outward Christian. You only have to attend church on a Sunday You only have to look good. You only have to be a moral good person during the week. All this, you see, friends, is easy and cheap. The Bible describes to us the difficulties of being a Christian. In Matthew 7, verse 14, it says, Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to eternal life. And there's few that find it. I often think of that verse in Matthew 7. And I'm humbled to think that God in his love for sinners, that I was one of those few that found it. Or rather, that the Lord opened up my eyes, my blinded eyes. So true Christianity is not to lie back in easy street, but it's to be at the forefront of the spiritual battle. So let's ask ourselves the question this morning, is your Christianity costing you today? Is your Christianity costing you today? your self-righteousness. We must cast away pride and self. All we like sheep, the prophet Isaiah said, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, yes, the Lord, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Picture the scene this morning, friends. We are cosy in Scotland here. We can come to church 
to worship God. But picture the scene this morning as a Taliban fighter finds a Christian in Afghanistan and he points his Kalashnikov rifle at the man or the woman or the young person's head and shouts, Denounce your God! Now that is true cost of Christian faith. Secondly, it would cost us the favour of this world in which we live in. This is similar, is it not, to Isaiah 53, verse 3. Christ was despised. He was rejected of men. And in John 15 it says, If they, the world, the ungodly, if they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. So don't be surprised, Christian friend, if the world hates you for what you stand for. If it turns against you, we must be prepared to count the cost to be a true believer in Christ. Yes, we'll be laughed at. Yes, we'll be ridiculed. Yes, we will be mocked. Yes, we will be sneered at. We will be called narrow-minded. And it's always unpleasant, is it not, to be spoken against and forsaken and to stand alone at times. And I admit it costs much to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, a true Bible-believing Christian. But you know this, a true faith that costs nothing is worth nothing. A cheap Christianity without a cross will prove in the end to be a useless Christianity without a crown. Mark 14, verse 27. Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. When you look back in history to Calvary, and get that picture in your minds this morning. What happened in that eventful day? And you say to yourself, yes, Jesus did that for me. An unworthy sinner. A nobody in this world. Yet, what are we today? We are a child of God. We are in the family of God. We have been saved from our sins we have been cleansed. We have been renewed. So is there anything too difficult to do for Christ? Weigh up the cost, brothers and sisters. Is anything too difficult to do for Jesus? We should shout this morning, No, nothing is too difficult to do for Jesus. <clears throat> Thirdly, the importance of counting the cost. <clears throat> Many people today think about religious things. They know the outlines very well. But their failure is that they haven't 
and they've never really begun to really be rooted and grounded in faith. Too often they have been brought up in maybe Christian homes, but have never worked out in an inward experience. They've maybe made a hasty decision because maybe of family pressures or maybe some other circumstances because others were becoming followers of Christ. So they thought they would try. But sadly, it's not about trying this morning. It's about sin. It's about repentance. It's about God's rich grace and a solid work of his grace in our lives. Because there's many people in these circumstances today who are in grave danger of not entering into heaven. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 tells us that, does it not? It says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. What a position to be in, friends, this morning. Thinking with our minds that we are Christ all along. When our hearts are far from him. And it brings to my mind that devastating verse in Matthew's Gospel. In chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What a position to be in. Count the cost, brothers and sisters. Make sure today of your salvation in the Lord. Don't rely on a decision 20 years ago. Today is the day of salvation. Where are we today? Be being saved. Our first pastor used to say that. We are saved every day. So be being saved from our sins. And look at the children of Israel. They perished miserably in the wilderness between Egypt and Canaan. They left Egypt full of zeal. Nothing could stop them. But when trials and tribulations came their way, they murmured, they complained against God and against Moses. You see, they never counted the cost. Look at Demas, another one. He didn't count the cost. For a long time he journeyed, did he not, with the great apostle Paul. And he was actually called a fellow laborer in Christ. But when he found he couldn't have the friendship of this world as well as the friendship of God, he gave up. And that's what Paul says in 2 Timothy. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He hadn't counted the cost, which is pretty sad. It's like one of us here today, going back into the world, to that life we once had, 
because of your love for the world. And there's three tremendous verses in 1 John 2. And I say this to myself first. So powerful, so strong, so challenging, so apt for us today. So pointed by the finger of God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Did we not hear that last week? When Jonathan preached from Revelation, the world is passing away. There'll be a new heaven. There'll be a new order. But verse 17 says, But whoever does the will of God abides forever in that new heaven. Oh, it's a challenge to us all, is it not, today? To rethink our commitment and our service to the Lord, and to bring that great challenge of the Word of God right in to our own hearts. They say confession is good for the soul. And I'm no different. Maybe after a hard week at work, come a Wednesday when we come here to pray together, and we think of all the excuses under the sun, I'm tired. I've had a hard week. But you see, after you've been here, and you're here with your brothers and sisters, and we're praying together, we're praying for those who need our prayers, we're praying for those who are lost in their sins, once we've been here, hearing the prayers of our brothers and sisters, oh, our hearts are lifted to heaven. Our souls are lifted to heaven. And we go home rejoicing in a God who loved us and gave his life for us. So when it comes to next Wednesday, why not come and join with us? Seek God's face. I know a church in south of Glasgow where they had 80% roughly of their membership at the prayer time and they used to go down on their knees and you know the old saying if you're not fast you're last in that prayer house if you weren't quick you never got a chance to pray oh to see that today oh to see that amongst us that we would bow our hearts and our knees and be together praying that God would open up the hearts of those whom we love in the flesh. Those who are on a lost road to eternity without Christ. And when the pressures of life come and bear down upon us sometimes, there are many that would plunge right back into the world and why we ask why they never maybe understood the real cost to be a follower of Christ impatient hurry is the order of the day is it not in many churches 
Their success depends on how many conversions there are. Their aim is to produce Christians. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm all for offering men and women and young people immediate and free salvation in Christ. But what I'm saying here is that all scripture, all truth needs to be laid bare and set before the unconverted. It's not a case of, I'll, I'll try Jesus this week and see if it works. No, it's not about feelings. It's about sin. It's about repentance. It's about grace. It's about faith. And I wonder, quite often at times, why, why me? Why me? Why did the Lord reveal himself to me? Why did the Lord reveal himself to you? Just like that hymn that we sometimes sing by Augustus Top Lady, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling, cling, naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Is there anything too difficult to do for the Lord? Is there? When we look to Calvary, we see our Saviour bled and died for me, a sinner. His cost was far greater than any cost that we can experience. It cost him his life's blood. And I asked Ali if we could sing that song before this message. My hope, your hope, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not, we dare not, Trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And the question this morning to all of us is, what are we leaning on today? What are we leaning on today? Is it our own strength? Is it the strength of our parents? Is it our membership of Hamilton Baptist Church? Is it our baptism when we were baptized? Oh, I trust it's on Christ alone. The cornerstone of our life. And I trust that we're leaning on Jesus today. One of the greatest reminders of comparing the cost is in Mark 8, verse 34. Mark 8, verse 34. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes 
in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. As a true-hearted and holy Christian, as we count the cost of our discipleship, I will lose the friendship of the world. So what? But you will gain the salvation of your immortal soul. As a true and hearted and holy Christian, you will be blamed by man, yes, but you will have the praise of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We will get blamed by the world. We'll get hated by the world. But we can always take great comfort from the scriptures of truth. When it says, blessed are you. When men shall revile you and persecute you. And say all manner of evil against you. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. As a true-hearted and holy Christian, count up and compare the enemy of the world and the favour and friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our enemy, the devil, Satan, at most can only buffet our pride They may rage at you from time to time and you might feel that your whole life is falling around you but the world cannot destroy you. There's a great scripture in Luke 12 verse 5 it says Be not afraid of them that can kill the body and after that can do no more. Those Christians in Afghanistan who have been beheaded they can't do any more to them. But it says, but rather fear him, God, which after he has killed has a power to cast into hell. Yes, hell is not mentioned much these days. It is a reality. If you don't know Christ, that is your destination. If If you've never cast all your sins on Jesus and repented of your sins, praying for forgiveness, then that is the ultimate end to those without hope. So what does it really cost you and I to follow Christ and to be a true biblical Christian? Pride, self, nothing compared with the cost of Jesus on Calvary. So as we close today, my question is to all of us, what are we leaning on? Our self-righteousness, our membership, our baptism? I trust it's Christ. Christ is all in all. To each one of us who know him and love him. That cross behind me on the wall is a reminder of Calvary. And it's an empty cross. And it's an empty cross for a reason. It's empty because Jesus has risen.
Hallelujah. So a true-hearted and holy Christian, let us count up and compare the life that now is and the life to come. It's a time of watching. It's a time of praying, fighting and struggling, but only for a few more years. The time future is a season of rest and refreshing. Sin shall be cast out. Satan will be bound. I dare say there'll be times when we'll feel faint-hearted, tempted to give up like Demas did. Our enemies seem so many. The road seems so steep and rough. But I say, press on. Preserve and press on. We're not far from home. It may cost much to be a true-hearted and holy Christian, but it pays massive dividends. And I just want to close from the second book of Corinthians and chapter 4. In Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and I commend this to all of us today, in Hamilton and those watching on live stream the last two verses of Corinthians chapter 4 so we do not lose heart though our outer nature is wasting away our inner nature is being renewed day by day for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are, trans- are transient, they're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. May God bless us. May God bless his word to each of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness and your grace to each one of us. And when we think of Calvary, the ultimate cost was your life's blood. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just help each one of us to be strengthened by your word and by your grace and by your goodness. That as we begin another new week, in our lives, that you would go before us and surround us with your presence each and every day and help us in our walk with you, that you would help us and forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. So bless us now, Lord, as we come to remember your death, as we take communion together, and we just pray for your blessing as we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.